Hey, welcome back to another episode of Operation Healthcare. Today, our episode's a little different. It consists of a conversation Christian and I just had off the cuff about different specialties that we're interested in and things that really appeal to us going to, into medical school. So it'll start off um, in the middle of the conversation, and hopefully you'll learn a little more about us and maybe learn a little bit about a certain specialty that you find interesting or about healthcare in general. So with that, I'll go ahead and kick this off. I hope you guys enjoy. So, I mean, obviously by my dad's profession and just like playing soccer and everything, ortho is my predominant interest right now. And right because we went to pope we had to do all those volunteer hours that was where i kind of very much started to get invested in all that i was shadowing dr cox and dr diamond um in clinic and then i did that for i think basically all of of high school and then once i got an undergrad obviously i was away but when i came back for summers that's where i started shadowing them and then over the past two years i've shadowed dr cox he's an orthopedic surgeon i shadowed him in surgery so that's where i really started to gain like a better understanding of what it means to be a surgeon and particularly in ortho and maybe this is a naive assumption but i feel like surgery is relatively the same regardless of what specialty you're and just kind of dealing with a different subset of the body Obviously, ortho is not as life-threatening for people as, right, cardiology or, like, neurology would be. There is spine surgery within ortho, which starts to get very dangerous. And you never want to undermine the extent of what somebody's doing, not by any means saying that, right, orthopedic surgery is not dangerous for people because you're also dealing with a very elderly population a lot of the time that could potentially have a lot of complications. So, But just from a general brought off perspective i think that's a, a big interest of mine it's a more straightforward form of surgery and to me right as i've been in like a primary care clinic this year i've realized that i want to be way more involved with my patients than maybe just a clinical standpoint and surgery would afford me that so maybe i don't even go into ortho right maybe i but i think surgery is a big thing for me yeah, I mean, I I have not really had the opportunity to shadow um, an orthopedic surgery, um, I mean, or see or see an orthopedic surgery or anything of that. I think um, I may have seen a hip operation of some kind when I shadowed an anesthesiologist, but I wasn't like with the the orthopedic surgeon. But I think it, orthopedics uh, is pretty different than other types of surgery, isn't it? Like, it's you use a lot of like like hammers and like tools and things like that aggressive it's very much like just leave it in the middle it's very much like well i guess it depends on what you're doing right like um and what your your fellowship or your specialty within orthos like dr cox is a sports medicine ortho and so he dealt with like a lot of rotator cuffs or knee scopes and i think Mm. that's like a bread and butter depending on well, I think it's a bread and butter for ortho in general. Knee scopes tend to be a lot. So, like, in two days I would watch him, you know, he probably did a lot of those over those two days. So, it just depends. Um, but, yes, I did see, like, a shout-out another surgeon a while back, and he did a hip replacement, and he's, like, banging on him. He's, like, sawing into him. So, it is – it's not as precise and methodical 
at least what your expectation would be of mm-hmm. surgery. Obviously, it is very precise, but it just looks more, it's a more aggressive way to get there, I suppose. So, yeah, it is very different. Um, I've, I've also been interested in anesthesiology, but I haven't, I haven't shadowed one. What was it like when you were shadowing them? I, honestly, when I shadowed it, I didn't really like it. But now, looking back, I think it seems really cool. Mm-hmm. So it's like, when I think about it, when I think about anesthesiology, I was like, oh, there's like no patient interaction whatsoever. But the anesthesiologist did see patients. They would um, meet with him before the surgery, mm-hmm. um, I think. So I don't really know the technical terms on everything. Um, but they would do. They would use ultrasound. Um, to kind of put some sort of medication, and I'm obviously I don't really know much about it, but you're getting patient interaction, but you're also not their primary physician. Um, you're not really directly operating on them. But the really cool thing about it is you're still doing something in the moment, and then immediately like seeing the effect of it. Right. So you're administ- You see their blood pressure go up too high. You administer. Medication um, increase the dose of something and then it mm-hmm. drops down and it's kind of it's really cool because you're you're kind of getting that gratification of really being able to stabilize a patient, mm-hmm. um, but kind of also being able to kind of sit down and um, not really be working directly with knives um, or scalpels. Um, my big thing, I, there was one, like one of my interviewers was an anesthesiologist and he was talking about how he had just gotten out of clinic. And my perception is that anesthesiologists are primarily in the operating room, right? You're just dealing mm-hmm. with a bunch of different surgeons and different types of surgeries, which is, I guess, is another interesting aspect. Like you get to constantly watch maybe something different. And so that would be interesting but I don't know what you would do from a clinical standpoint unless you're working at like a pain management yeah. place where you're, you know, prescribing things because there's uh, there's nothing that you would really be assessing. Maybe mm-hmm. you're like maybe you work in private practice and maybe I work I'm an anesthesiologist for like an orthopedic private practice and then so maybe I have the ability to assess them there because I gained some understanding, but even then I wouldn't have the training of an orthopedist to be able to properly assess that. Maybe you just gain that through working with them, and maybe you're like, all right, well, I'm just determining if you're if you need surgery or whatever. I don't know. So that's that's one thing I would question. Another thing would be like anesthesiologists are often kind of a blunt of a joke, where it's like you do some work in the beginning, but then you're doing crossword puzzles for the rest of the surgery, mm-hmm. which you know is kind of funny. But from another side, it's more, I wouldn't say relaxing, but it's less strenuous on your body than being a surgeon is. For a surgeon, you have to stand up for however many hours a day. At least an anesthesiologist gets to sit down during the surgery. I think primarily it's CRNAs doing the work. So maybe the anesthesiologist is just going around and making sure everything's okay. I don't know. So, I mean, I think I want to explore it, but I don't necessarily know what all it entails. Yeah, I think that a really cool thing that I think is cool about anesthesiology is kind of like a lot of the work just goes into it beforehand and it's like when you have a good plan and everything kind of runs smoothly then that's when you can kind of sit back during the middle of the operation Mm -hmm. and I think what's cool about being an anesthesiologist as opposed to CRNA is when I was shadowing they were kind of overseeing like five or six different rooms and then within those rooms they would have 
um, anesthesiology assistants, which I think are, isn't there, there's like a PA route to do that, yeah, I believe. There is, yeah. yeah, so they had those, and then they had the CRNAs helping out with those as well. And the doctor that I was shadowing, um, I don't know if this is how it is everywhere, but he was in charge of all those rooms. We'd go in, check in, and if they had any questions or if anything was really not going according to plan, then you would help out with them. So kind of being able to do that, I think, is cool. And, like, so you're never really, at least not always, you're not always just sitting there um, and kind of watching to see what happens. Um, and one thing that really stuck with me was just kind of learning how they do it. Um, and w- one of the doctors just told me it's just an algorithm. That's really what it is once you're in there is um, blood pressure goes up, you give them this. Or blood pressure goes down, you give them this. Or heart rate. Um, you administer this medication and then like, it's kind of going through those check boxes. Once you kind of have that plan, I think is really cool. Um, I'm not sure if it's really something that I'm extremely interested in, but I like the, I like how medications work and kind of exploring the physiology. So it's definitely something I'm interested in. Um, and it's a lot cooler than I once thought it was. Mm -hmm. Um, so definitely, definitely have my eye out. Um, but yeah, when you were talking about orthopedic surgery, I just thought it was funny. It seemed because I'm, I guess I'll explain. Um, I really like ophthalmology. Um, I think that's really cool. And just when just thinking about orthopedic surgery, it just seems the complete opposite type of surgery than like ophthalmology is. Yeah. Um, and it's just f- funny to think about. But I feel like of the surgeries, ophthalmology and ortho are kind of the ones that are similar in outcomes. You kind of have an issue, and then after a surgery, it's more likely than not pretty much fixed. And I think that's really what kind of has driven me toward ophthalmology, is especially with cataract surgery, being able to perform that, and then someone's going home and can see better. And I think with replacing someone's hip or um, even with like an ACL injury, it takes a while to rehab it, but it's like it's a it's a fix, right? Um, which I think is really cool about. That's it. the thing about. I, I always get the terms mixed up. So cardiology, I don't think does surgery, but I think you have, I think I, you have I, cardiothoracic surgery. Yeah, I think cardiology does procedures, right. which is like surgery, but not surgery. Right. So it's they because like they put like procedures. a like stents in and right. things like that. But yeah, I think cardiothoracic is more. So I don't know the official term, but as like a generalization, heart surgery, right? We'll just use a very broad term. I couldn't imagine doing heart surgery and yes, you're fixing something, but then you always have to constantly maintain it. And like, maybe that always perhaps causes further issues in your body. And to some people that would be interesting because it always provides an opportunity to learn and kind of adjust and problem solve. But I feel like you would get that with just seeing a variety of different patients, I wouldn't want to necessarily deal with that through the same people, right? I think about mm-hmm. in the position that I'm in now, primary care focused, but you have high blood pressure, you have people with high cholesterol, you have all these different things and you're just, you prescribe them a medication and it addresses it, but it never really goes away. It never really addresses the underlying issue. You're just addressing the symptoms. Um, and I think that's kind of like a big criticism that you hear about medicine a lot. And so, Obviously, it's it's far more complex than that. But from like a surgery perspective, like you were saying, there's a very tangible outcome for a lot of different surgeries. And more often than not, depending on what specialty you go into, opto or ortho, right? Yes, like you were saying, there's there's this is the the end result, and after therapy or whatever, it's fixed. And 
you know, they don't necessarily have to really deal with that again, depending on a variety of different factors. So I think that's a big thing for me. But I don't, I haven't really explored ophthalmology. I know it's one of the more competitive spe- uh, specialties. So it seems, from what I've seen, it seems like it has a good lifestyle, but you still get the surgical aspect of it. Um, and it's, yeah, just a different subset of the body. It's, I would see it being way more precise than ortho would be because you are working on somebody's eye. If I shave off a little bit yeah. too much bone, it'll grow back. But if you damage somebody's eye, I assume that's like very complex to address. Yeah, I think every procedure in ophthalmology is done through a microscope. Um, I think that's why they call it microsurgery. I think it micro, it's a that and urology, um, I believe, are microsurgeries. Um, there might be a couple more that I'm forgetting at the moment. But one thing that I don't know if you've ever like thought about this as well. I think it's a little less um, severe of like a change between ophthalmology and orthopedic surgery. But I just kind of, after like studying medicine for so long, especially with intern year and, um, having like third and fourth year of so many different rotations, I'm kind of worried about, it feels like when you go into ophthalmology, it'd be interesting if we eventually could talk to an ophthalmologist or have people on here to kind of learn if this is the case. But I feel like you're just going away from all of the things you learn about medicine and then it's just the eye. And I don't know if I would ever really miss kind of the problem solving of having all these organs working together and um, trying to figure out what exactly is the issue, why isn't everything working according to plan, and then it just kind of is just the eye, just that organ. Um, I think my perspective on that is like, like if you're in primary care, say I'm like a family medicine physician, I am dealing with a broader right you're dealing with a whole body kind of system and you're able to address a lot of different things but you're not nearly as specialized and specific into whatever it is as you would be within any surgical specialty mm-hmm. and so yes the big conflict i guess would be do you want a broader lens with less depth or a narrow lens with a lot more depth mm-hmm. and so i th- you, i think you still get well you do still get all the problem solving and everything it just is centralized on one aspect of the body and so i can see where you're coming from like maybe you're interested in like gi and you never get to deal with that again but i think from like a medical school's perspective they're trying to give you this whole understanding so you can kind of figure out where you want to go and also understand how all these different systems work together because obviously that's important in whatever specialty you're in but i think for me i think i prefer a narrow lens with Mm. more depth well it's definitely cool to think about kind of getting called and then being like oh we need like a more specific opinion on this or getting people getting referred to you Mm -hmm. because you kind of have a more specific knowledge um but it's definitely something that i'm gonna have to like consider um i think it's really cool that the way that med school education is kind of um done where we get exposed to so many different things and we kind of have to make a decision at the end i think that's really cool um but kind of the one thing that kind of sucks about that is the fact that if like we wanted to do ortho or ophthalmology and like they're so competitive it's like you kind of have to specialize your med school towards them to have a competitive application so it's like i feel like you kind of don't really have the same ability to really explore everything um so so that'll be difficult that's that's absolutely accurate and it's 
I think the unfortunate part is is that it's only going to worsen. I think it's just by the limited number of positions, the amount of people that are having a greater interest towards healthcare, and obviously you're gonna progressively open up more mm-hmm. medical schools. It's only going to become more competitive for those competitive specialties. If you want to go into like a primary care focus, I think you have less of a of a problem with that. Mm-hmm. But like you were saying, if you want to go in a competitive specialty, you really need to orient that from the forefront, um, which is unfortunate. But I think it also mm-hmm. makes you work harder at the beginning to truly mm-hmm. figure out what you want to do. And so I think it's it's nobody's gonna know what they want to do for the rest of their, uh, their life at 18 or 20 or whatever. Um, and so that's always the, the predicament that you hear with undergrad. And unfortunately, it's yeah. way more costly right now since we're in med school. Um, but I think, yeah, every every physician and a lot of people that I've talked to say that like, if you want to go into those things, like you need to start research as early as possible. And that's what I'm trying to orient myself. Focus on ortho and do what I would need to get into that while also exploring other specialties because then I won't necessarily be shooting myself in the foot if yeah. it comes to the end of it. And I'm like, well, I want to do ortho, but I haven't figured that out until third year. I have those opportunities and those experiences, but say I wanted to just jump to, you know, internal medicine. Yeah. Well, I didn't, I didn't necessarily lose out. I'm still at maybe a normal point that somebody would decide that and I can get whatever relevant experience to go into that. So the unfortunate part would be if I, you know, were focused in ortho and then suddenly find that, I love all things dermatology or neurology or whatever, right? Then it becomes super hard to transition. So I think it's finding your general idea of where you want to go mm-hmm. and then maybe kind of playing around with that in the first couple of years. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it's just unfortunate because, I mean, I think about, like, the top residency programs and, like, if you really wanted to get into, let's say, Vanderbilt, you really wanted to do – go to Vanderbilt, like you have a lot of family here, um, and you're all set on ortho. You go through, like, do ortho. And then at the end, you're like, wow, I love neurology. Mm-hmm. Like, it's my favorite thing ever. The chance, like, of you getting in, like, you'll probably get a neurology residency because you probably did well if you were going for ortho, mm-hmm. but you're going against people that have known they wanted to do neuro for all of med school. They have, like, neuro um, research and things like that. So, I mean, that's the risk, I guess, you got to take. Um I think one thing that's not talked about a lot is the amount of people that sometimes have to or will take research years after graduating med school. Mm-hmm. Obviously, a, a large majority in most people go directly into residency. But if you are kind of gunning for one of the more competitive specialties, it's very normal for people to take a year or two afterwards and focus on research and kind of, in a way, bump up their, their application. Right? Like you were saying, mm-hmm. if I were interested in ortho and wanted to go into neurology or Might neurosurgery then yeah you take the time afterwards you'd be like you know third fourth year you do as much as you can to focus on that do well in those rotations and then you're like you know i I changed my mind and it's kind of a sacrifice you don't want to you don't want to give up that time but in the long term right what are those two years or however long mean right god forbid you go into a specialty that you hate and (laughs) now you're miserable for the rest of your life you could have just taken like a small sacrifice in the beginning to go into that whatever specialty you actually wanted to and I mean, it's the same as like when you think about us and our gap years, it's like mm-hmm. no one cares about them now. It's all like, I don't even think I'll, I would never like even want to ask anyone in my class like about gap years. Cause it just doesn't matter at this point. It's right. like, we're all in the same place. Right. So I think that's kind of 
a thing to think about is kind of swallow your pride mm-hmm. do a research here if you have to you know um everybody always wants to look at it from like a financial standpoint and you can't you can you can really upset yourself if you look at it that way like say i wanted to go into ortho and if i would have started right out of undergrad i would have been i would have been 21 i would have been graduating from med school um at 25 right would have completed residency everything just after i turned 30 31 um and then so if you're like oh well like salary wise like i'm missing out on two years of salary come that time and everything but these like these past two years have afforded me a lot of opportunities that I would have had otherwise, and I don't really want to mm-hmm. rush into life if I don't have to. Obviously, there's a fine line between kind of procrastinating everything, um, but yeah, I, like you're saying, like there's always a good way to look at the lens, and I've been very happy mm-hmm. with the gap year. And I mean, the average age of matriculation for a medical student is 24. I'll be 23 when I start. You'll be 23 when you start. So. Yep. I mean, we're still younger than, than the average, right? And so we're definitely not in a bad position. There are plenty of people in our class that have come out right from undergrad, and that's awesome. Congratulations to them. That's that's amazing. Um, but for me, I think I'm also very happy that I've had these past two years to kind of put everything in order and, quite frankly, ensure that medical school is what I wanted to do. Yeah, I think part of what you said with the – um, lost opportunity of that salary and kind of going back to like the research year and changing your specialty is like what is that two years of salary compared to retiring or quitting your job early because you hate the specialty that you're in right. you know it's 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 a lot more it's a lot smarter for you to just take that year make sure you're actually passionate in it than the years of lost income that you would have if you did something that you hated or you had to change your career or right. something of that nature. Right. So I think it's really just investing in what you're interested in and just finding that and then figuring out how you're going to do it. Mm-hmm. I agree. So, yeah, as of now, um, I would say, what do you think? So I'm number one, probably ophthalmology. Then I'd say number two, she's top three. Um, Number two, I'd probably say neurology, or number three, sports medicine, going mm-hmm. through probably a PM and R route, but maybe um, family medicine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, number one's ortho. Um, after that, I don't know, it's hard. I think my unfortunate mm-hmm. part is I haven't really explored a lot of other specialties. Um, anesthesiology sounds interesting. Mm-hmm. Um neurosurgery sounds interesting i think parts of neurology sound interesting but also people that i've talked to Mm -hmm. said that it is a little bit miserable i i've heard that insurance with neurology is the worst i think that insurance companies really don't like to pay for a lot of like medication that right and i'm sure it's very expensive and obviously it's it has a lot of research and developing that needs to be done so you kind of have that could be exciting right that could be an opportunity Mm -hmm. to kind of explore that and further that i think part of what interests me about that is just the nature of dementia and alzheimer's running Mm -hmm. in my family and so i've become very passionate about that over the past couple years and figuring that out and not that i'll have the opportunity to cure those but just exploring those and adding to the existing literature right Mm -hmm. i don't i don't know so um that's the same with me, though. I mean, right. <laughs> so it's funny that you said that. But, yeah, that's a big reason why I like it is because of Alzheimer's and then Parkinson's with my uh, grandfather as well. Right. So, I think what I'm finding is that I have a, 
I have an interest in a lot of different specialties. I think, like, while I was kind of, like, bashing on, like, kind of the blood pressure situation of, of um, kind of primary care, that's also brought me, like, a, a interest in me in cardiology and kind of the heart as a whole and navigating that. And with Ellie being in dietetics, that's also been a big part over the past year and just, like, opening my eyes to how much nutrition is involved with like our general mm-hmm. health right i'm listening to a podcast right now and he's talking about how much of a correlation there is between our diets and sugar consumption and rates of cancer mm-hmm. and that's just a, a small example of a multitude of other things and so that's been very interesting for me to understand right how diets affect like blood pressure and general heart health and all that and so that's opened my eyes to cardiology not to stray off so top i'll do top five i'll say oh, ortho dang. Cardiology, (laughs) neurology, anesthesiology, and probably sports medicine. Ortho's number one. The rest of them are in no particular order. What about what do what do you think about radiology? I think um, I don't love the idea of radiology. I don't love the idea of sitting in a room just staring at. What about IR? CT scans. What's IR? Interventional radiology. Is that like where you go into surgery and do It's like that? procedural radiology. It seems cool. I mean, I don't know if I would do it, but it seems really cool. I don't know enough about it to make it. You should look into it. I will. I, I do remember one surgery that I was watching. They had to call in a radiologist to make sure. It was the hip replacement I was talking about. Mm. They they called in a radiologist and they came in and you know did the scans and everything in there. And so I guess it seems like a little bit cool, but it's like it's like a medical photographer right in a way yeah you just kind of um so it could be cool but it's not like you have kind of the interesting aspects of like editing a picture and things i don't know i don't know um yeah well they uh ir there's a couple people um on youtube that interventional radiologists um and i really know nothing about it mm -hmm. so this is gonna be a very uneducated explanation of what they do but um i know that they Oh goodness! Um, like place things, <laughs> so it's not just like imaging. Yeah. They're actually like doing procedures to place things, or um, oh, I see what you're saying. So, so it's different than just radiology. Yeah. If that makes sense. No, no, um, it's like, like they're like they'll put a tracer in somebody's body. Yeah. For like yeah. CT scans. I don't know if it's CT scans. Regardless, yeah. Okay. I know things of that nature. Probably things that we both don't really know about, mm-hmm. but definitely look into it. One question I have. How are we going to learn about like insurance and all that in med school? Like, do they have like a course? I think we on have that? a so I think we have um, a, our clinical medicine course. I think mm-hmm. we'll talk, we'll talk about, about that, that a little bit. I don't. Yeah. I can't imagine that it's in depth enough right. um, for that to be them. But yeah, we could do a podcast on it for sure. <laughs> insurance. So let us let us know if you guys want to hear about complex. insurance. We'll make it a little fun for you. Um, well, maybe, know, maybe we'll like make my, a trivia game and in my MBA course we did uh, I had an elective that was like the US healthcare system and we talked about it a little bit and it was the same time you were talking about a class that you were taking because you gave me a, a book like recommendation oh yeah yeah, textbook yeah, yeah or whatever yeah so I, that's one thing that I've been thinking about like maybe reading about this summer just kind of give me like a surface level understanding of all that you can have my book if you want you have it yeah deal um, <laughs> I gotta finish outlining it. I'm actually outlining it, but I'm at the uh, I'm at the end. But yeah, uh-huh. plug for the book on here What's for the listeners. Um, Healthcare Handbook. Okay. Um, it's written by a few medical students. Maybe they were residents when they wrote it. Let me find it. 
take a pause. Really I had book, I had I downloaded it on Kindle Unlimited before and I actually never read it. Oh. I had a trial for Kindle Unlimited. I think it was like three months and I never I think I opened the book like once. But um it looked pretty interesting. I think for me the the one thing that my MBA course talked about a lot was just kind of the interconnectedness of everything and how complex and difficult it is to navigate the US healthcare system. Okay, yeah. The so the so the so the book, um the healthcare handbook it's a clear and concise guide to the United States healthcare system. It's by Elizabeth Askin and Nathan Moore, who were both uh, medical students at Wash University of St. Louis. Were they medical students, or that's where they're currently? So that's where they went. Um, I'm pretty sure. Let's let's make sure before I. I guess it's like it's possible that they went there and worked there, but. But the thing that um, I really like about this book, and I think it's because it's written. Um, by medical students or residents. I'm just going to <laughs> go with medical <laughs> students. But it's um, it's written in a way that's really easy to understand and really easy to read. And they don't really go too in-depth. Their, their goal with this is to include everything about the medical, the medical um, industry and everything involved, but not go in-depth on any subject. So you can read additional books, but you, by reading this book, I've really kind of grown to understand kind of ever how everything works and how everything works together. Right. Um, it's broken down into there's a research chapter, there's insurance chapter, mm-hmm. there's just a healthcare system in general, um, the economics involved, malpractice, mm-hmm. um, policy and reform, and then there's a little part at the end that's just about um, explaining the different healthcare providers and things of that nature. So highly recommend that book. Um, Obviously, we need that since we couldn't say what interventional radiology or cardiology. Exactly. Or yeah. That. So, um, yeah, I'll give it a read. But so then, all right. So I gave my top five. So what are your top five? You gotta add two more, right? I gotta add two more. Okay. So I had ophthalmology, neurology, and sports medicine. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think I might. It's a very rough list on the spot um but i would have to say maybe anesthesiology honestly um what about emergency medicine that's i thought you had said that it also seemed like it'd be pretty interesting it might be pretty stressful dealing with like a constant just like kind of random yeah i was thinking about emergency medicine but then i worked my job this year and it was just all shift work and it was like Mm. the hours weren't the same week to week Mm. and that kind of really made me not want to do emergency medicine because that's how a lot of that is. But shift work is considered a um, what's it called when something's known to cause cancer? A carcinogen. Yeah, it's a known carcinogen. Yeah. See, but particularly night shift, right? Because it's yeah. just a variety of different reasons. But, and your body's just probably all stressed out all the time. Right. And there's no, there's no routine. There's no establishment mm-hmm. or semblance in your life. Wow. Um, so yeah, another reason. For right. me not to maybe no ER that. for anybody now. Um but also I know there's a an issue right now with um graduating residents finding jobs in emergency medicine. Really? So that's also something to think about. Hmm. I know that that's an area of medicine that's kind of suffering a little bit um for doctors at least with um physician assistants and nurse practitioners. Um yeah. So I think that's something to um <clears throat> Be aware of. I think that's a big thing is, yeah, you are doctors, um, like when you're going through and you want to do something you're passionate about, but you also have to think about lifestyle and um, mm-hmm. what you want from a position and things like that. That's one thing I hadn't 
I didn't really know was like a big controversy. That it, I knew it existed, right? But I didn't know so many physicians had problems with it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, nobody likes for their jobs to be replaced by other people. But right, the the ease of time and money, um, just for relative to medical school, that it takes to become a nurse practitioner or a physician assistant is largely a big factor of like those primary care specialties being replaced by those individuals but uh, i think it's called like the sanctity it was claimed to maintain the sanctity of the stethoscope just saying like Mm. you're going to see a physician and you end up like seeing a nurse practitioner like you should see somebody that um that has gone through that education and time but from the other side if I'm in school for 10 years and this person's been actually working for these many years, just because mm-hmm. I went to school for it doesn't mean I have any mm-hmm. knowledge or understanding that they do. So I think there's, I think it goes both ways, right? I don't think a physician should be arrogant just because they went to medical school and feel like they're better than any other specialty. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but also kind of understand what they're saying, mm-hmm. but I'm biased. Well, I think, I think that the big thing is kind of like it were like you can't really diminish like the the value that they're gonna have and i think that's really kind of um where people get misunderstood is i I don't think anyone's really diminishing the value of the physician's assistants and nurse practitioners really being able to offer quality care that otherwise they wouldn't be able to i think the issue kind of arises when the scope of practice is starting to get pushed um to a level that um, maybe the patient isn't as safe as otherwise. Um, So I think that's kind of the big controversy is I think what level is that? And then at what level, because I think there's a push for nurse practitioners um, and PAs in general to have their own practices. And I think we should maybe do another episode talking more about this after we um, research it a little more. Um, And I think that there's a lot of pushback from that kind of saying that, um, PAs should be seen, uh, seeing patients with um, a doctor overseeing them or being able to c- consult with them or talk them through specific cases. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's really important is kind of analyzing um, the care patients are getting from those specific uh, um, interactions. Yeah. Um, but I guess to finish off, um, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll say my last one, my last of my five. Um, so you have, you have ophthalmology, mm-hmm. sports medicine, anesthesiology neurology neurology and if i had to pick one right now wow ah you don't have to have five i was thinking oh, i'll go with five i was thinking a drake top five top five so i can do it i, I can do it. it uh i'll just say psychiatry just because i've thought about it before mm-hmm. um i have no experience with talking to any psychiatrists or Deal. anything like that but yeah. i think it's cool to see how um medications interact with the brain and just um, but also talk with patients, trying to understand um, more of the emotional side of medicine and mm-hmm. um, see how different techniques or different aspects of their life can be improved rather than t- um, taking medications and things like that. Right. But, that makes sense. Yeah, I think that 
wraps it up for this one. Um, just wanted to give you guys um, a chance to get to know us a little more, talk about what we're interested in. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. We definitely try to make this one a little bit more conversational. Sorry, we're, we're dealing with only one microphone right now, so we're going to have to pass back and forth. Um, so we tr- we're, we're, we're transitioning. It's a learning period. Hopefully this one was a little bit better and less of a, um, a PowerPoint presentation for you. So, But, yeah, that was it for me. Um, thanks for listening. We yeah, thanks for listening. We'll have a new one uh, coming out for you guys soon.